Hello, friends. Hello, 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 friends. A tradition unlike any other. Oh, 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 oh my goodness. In your life have you seen anything like that? There it is. Adam Scott, a life changer. Mashed potato. Here it, here it, here it, here it comes. Future Golf is Australia's largest golfing community for younger players, providing access to some of Australia's best courses. Your membership includes free rounds, over 100 discounted green fees Australia-wide, a free professional lesson and ex-golf simulator session, and of course, the all-important Golf Australia handicap. The best part though, the price. For 19th Tee listeners, you can get a huge 20% off any Future Golf membership with the promo code the 19th Tee. So if you're looking for a place to play without the jacket and tie, Look no further than Future Golf. Head to futuregolf.com.au forward slash join. And don't forget to use the 19th T promo code for a huge 20% off. Future Golf, play your way. This is the 19th T podcast. Kieran Marsh, Nathan Drudy back with you. Drudster, Dustin Johnson, his second career major. And you could see how much it meant to him in that post-round interview. A Masters champion. What an unbelievable weekend at Augusta National. It was. It was an unbelievable week. Uh, all four days, even the lead-up, was just very unusual, very odd. Uh, but I'm very glad that we had a Masters this year. And, and DJ was uh, by far the best player in the field by a long, long way. There is plenty, and I mean plenty, to unpick as we look back at the 84th running of the US Masters Drewster. But before we do so, we need to crack a tin and raise a... A can to Dustin. Who do we do it on behalf of? Of course, Gage Rhodes, our very, very good friends. Uh, WS Premier Independent Brewery for more than 15 years, named after the strip of ocean that separates Rotnest and Frio. They're uh, opening a, a brew pub thing here in Frio soon, which will be very cool. So I'll be, uh, I'll be all over that come summer. Live show? Surely. <laughs> Something. Anything. Yeah, we could do. I mean, the borders right, are open for you now, so you could come over. This is true. Marky Mark has thrown open the borders. Uh, I could do the return trip, courtesy uh, of our good friends. Maybe at Gage Roads. Maybe they'll throw a bit of cash behind us. Anyway, <laughs> we <laughs> Not digress. South Australia, though. South Australia's closed. We digress. Let's start with the numbers, Drudes. 20 under, a scoring record for the US Masters by Dustin Johnson, surpassed the previous record held by uh, both Tiger Woods and Jordan Spieth, a five-shot winning margin, uh, the best uh, since Tiger, I think way back in 1997, the first um, reigning world number one to uh, win the Masters since Tiger. There's a lot of since Tigers in these stats, Drew's. And, of course, uh, Dustin's now second career major after a handful of near misses in what uh, arguably is one of the most comfortable wins uh, at a major we've seen in recent memory. There were some, you know, save for some wobbles at the beginning of the fourth round this morning. Uh, he looked in complete control over the weekend. And we've said it ad nauseum, Druids, on this podcast, particularly probably in the last six months. We witnessed again, uh, arguably the most underappreciated and underrated golfer of this generation at his very best, uh, not just this morning, but across the weekend. Yeah, completely agree. Completely agree. Um, wire to wire winner as well. He was a leader or co-leader after every round, um, which I think there's only a handful of people that have done that. Uh, Trevor Immelman was one. Tiger Woods is another. It was 
it, it was clinical. Like he was across all four days. I know that the, the Friday he he shot seventy, which is still under par, still still two under. But there was just sort of never even a moment like when he uh, he was at the top of the leaderboard and out by a couple of strokes. It didn't uh, like as much as I was pulling for Smithy to win. I just felt that it was unrealistic. Like he was just in control of that golf tournament. And if anyone, he wasn't going to, no one was going to chase it down and win it. Like he was going to lose it. If there was going to be any, any way, shape or form that he wasn't putting on that green jacket. Um, and I'm very glad that he did. Cause I think he's a bloody deserving winner of it. Where, and this is going to be a question that's probably asked a lot in, in the weeks to come, but where does it put him now? I mean, I spoke about the handful of, missed opportunities you know we, we cast our mind way back to events like uh, the 2010 us open at pebble beach he had uh, of course uh, another us open there at chambers bay in 2015 where he gave up three shots in the last two holes to lead he had an open championship at ross and george's there have been so many uh you know near misses for dustin now to the point where people were even second guessing that four shot lead heading into the final day he jumps from one to two which in and of itself, you know, there's over 100 players in the history of major championships who've won one. He graduates from that group now into two. Mm. We have to start talk talk about him as, you know, as probably potentially now the best post-Tiger player. Like Tiger at his prime, of course. And uh, where in your mind does it place him? I, I think he is the best. Since, since, sorry, he's the best player of the last, I don't, I don't know what, what time period you want to put on it, but... Like I'm just I'm just looking up Rory. I would suggest since he entered since he entered the PGA, which yeah, was 2008. Like, yeah, you could mount an argument that he's comfortably the best player since he entered the PGA. Completely agree. I'm looking at uh, Rory here. Rory's had 14 wins, four majors since 2011. So, but it hasn't had a great deal of success since since back in 2015 really and then you take a look at dustin johnson now and he's won how many wins has he had he's had 24 pga tour wins since he came on including two two majors but just consistently successful like there's not been big gaps of time where he where he hasn't been successful he's he's now had four wins in 2020 i think i think he is the best of, of if we call this, I don't know, what do we call this, the modern era? Like, how, what, how do we phrase this? Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I don't know how to describe it other than the post-Tiger Prime era. Yeah. Uh, because obviously in those, those years of Tiger's Prime, which, you know, the, the length of which and the longevity of which were incredible when you think about it upon reflection, through until winning, um, you know, on one leg back in 2008. His, his last major victory prior to last year's Masters. Uh, in the years since, uh, it's hard to not mount the argument for Dustin Johnson as the Premier player. I mean, I'll probably halve that time. This stat, DJ in majors since 2015, 22 appearances, 13 top 10s, four runners-up, and now two wins. Mm. I know people are going to jump to McElroy and Kepka with four. I know people will jump, and I should be one of them, to Spieth with three. But the consistency now and the fact that I certainly don't, and I'm not sure if you agree, but I get the feeling you do. I don't think he's hit his ceiling. I don't think it's, I don't think it's beyond comprehension to think that he could go on and win three, four, maybe even five. Now at two, as I said, he's graduated from that, that massively uh, congested list 
of players who've won one. 136 Druids, in fact, um, sorry, 143 golfers have won one major in history. 36 have won two. So automatically, that's um, you know more than um, two thirds that that group reduces by. Can he go to three where 17 golfers have won? Can he go to four where 10 golfers have won? Can he go to five where only six in the history of the game have won? Cool. You know, if he gets to three, he's with Spieth, Harrington, mm. Payne Stewart, Nick Price. If he gets to four, he's up with McElroy, Kepka, Ells, and Raymond Floyd. Like he is starting to enter some rare air and it's not beyond the realms of possibility given how he dominated this course. We're back there in 140 days. He's at Kiowa next year for the PGA, which is essentially a home, home ground advantage for him. He is in a purple patch now, which maybe, just maybe, he's going to start getting the juice he deserves. I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I think he, and this goes back to the conversation that we had about his personality, I suppose, is that he's not the most outspoken golfer. He's not sort of at the forefront of of everything. He's a, he is a bit of a boring guy in many ways, as, we, as we've um, spoken at, at length about. But, and and we, we shouldn't take that into consideration when we think about the, the great golfers of our generation because he is firmly, firmly in, in that pack and he's probably at the forefront of that pack in many, many ways. I mean, you look at, you compare, I think people often compare maybe Rory and DJ as to where they are, similar sort of career um, timelines, I guess. But Rory flew out of the blocks like flew out of the blocks. He he had wins in in 2009 and then 2011 uh, on the European Tour, uh, 20 and obviously won his first major and then majors in 12 and and two in 2014. But since since that time, I, I know he's won, but it's been pretty few and far between for Rory. Whereas what DJ has managed to do is just be so freaking consistent. All the time, and I know we. I know the the the, the irony is that maybe four months ago, maybe we were sitting here asking where the hell DJ's career is at. It's at a bit of a crossroads, and it's like he's just lit up. Like the run that he went on at the back end of the season, the wraparound season, was phenomenal. And I I don't know why we we continue to overlook him as our picks for winning the majors because the writing is on the ball. And I know that he's had, you know, there has been some uh, knocks against him, you know, particularly what happened at Pebble and, and all the rest of it. But even today when he was up by four, going into today, like it, it was, I almost felt it was a foregone conclusion that today would, would just roll out for what he did because the way that he played was so clinical Um and it was a very boring 68. <laughs> but oh, to be, to be got honest, the job done, right? Oh, and it was all that it needed to be hmm. because it, it's not as if anyone, uh, and we will get to those behind him, but it's not as if anyone jumped out at him, put some no. real pressure. I mean, early in the round, it got back to a one stroke margin. You know, it was wobbly off the first tee. He had some, you know, wobbles through five and six, and, and he started to drop some shots. And I think people were tempted. You know, tempted by the scar tissue, by the muscle memory of of you know so many missed opportunities in the past. He's a different player now, though. Thirty six years old, I think. You know, like a fine wine, he's beginning to mature, Druids, and beginning to 
ride those ebbs and flows knowing that you know there's a lot of golf left to be played when you're dropping shots on holes four and five or six but I, I, like I mean you only have to cast your mirror back you, you said four months ago he hit 80 80 mm. a few months ago yeah he was like last year you cast your mind back to the president's cup he was terrible at yeah. Royal Melbourne he didn't want to be there 2019 was one of his worst years he's had on tour and to see the turnaround in form highlighted by his run through the FedEx Cup playoffs, you talk about the longevity, you talk about the consistency, you know, 24 wins now, two majors, 26th on the all-time wins list, 14 consecutive seasons with at least one win. It's, you know, we, we talk about the potential that's ahead of players like Morikawa, to a lesser extent, maybe Hovland, maybe Wolf, but can you imagine... 13 years from now that Colin Morikawa has won at least one tournament for the next 13 years, one has, a, has a, won at least another 22 times, has won at least another one major. Mm. That's the type of career, legacy that we're talking about here. He is an unbelievable player. And as I said, not beyond, not beyond the realms of possibility going into another Masters at Augusta National in 140-odd days, going into a US PGA at at Kiowa and going into an open championship next year at Royal St. George's, which is one of the, uh, you know, one of the destinations of one of his worst missed opportunities. He is in contention to, to grow that list and, and catapult himself into the conversation with some of the all time greats. How many does he, how many majors does he have when he retires? Uh, well, I mean, I, I, it's, it's hard to know because there's a couple of things going in his favour. Like we, we, I spoke about Brooks before. He's still two off Brooks. But Brooks, to me, uh, there's absolutely no guarantee on his body. You know, he, every other week he seems to be struggling with something. I think DJ has an extremely economical and extremely fluent swing. There's not much there, say, for a couple of odd knee issues and a really, really um, weird um, some might call it sceptical back injury in 2017 Masters when he fell down the stairs, apparently, at his Augusta rental home. He's not a guy that suffered many injuries. He's 36 years old. I'd say at least probably another two or three years at his prime, the way he's playing now, if he can continue to stay fit. I, I, I don't think it's beyond the realms of possibility that he finishes with five. Uh, and that, that seems a stretch because we know how long it's taken to get from one to two for him. And yeah, but I don't think he's playing... Like he he's playing markedly better than in the time that it took him to go from one to two. Different player. Yeah. And the scary thing for me, Drew, is I'm not certain he's hit his ceiling. Mm -hmm. Like I think what we've seen in the last couple of months is him on the rise. I don't think it's I don't think he's hit the plateau. I don't think he's hit the peak of where he's going to go. Uh, and and just. Just remarkable. I mean, cast your mind back. How long has it been since we've seen a player go out in the third round of a major and just take it away from the field? Yeah. He was completely in control on that Saturday 65. Mm, a long, long time. And he was so far and away the best player on Saturday. <laughs> like I know from a scoring perspective, obviously the next best score I'm scrolling through was a 67, but like he absolutely blitzed the course on Saturday. 
mm. picked it apart. And that 65 seems so much better than his first round 65. And uh, like, I think obviously pin positions, obviously getting a little bit tougher. The course was semi starting to dry out, but still very soft. It's yeah. I, I, I don't know what else we can say about Dustin Johnson because I, I think that he is firmly. I agree with you. He's the greatest player uh, since um, since Tiger at his prime. Um, his putting is is fantastic. Uh, it's always been something that maybe DJ. You know, we we know he's got enormous length off the tee. His putting's just been something that's. Been a little bit suspect at times, but the way that he putted at Augusta National, and we spoke about the importance of putting well and and the approach shots uh, being on such a premium as well. Uh, and he he putted the lights out over the weekend, particularly on Saturday. Just his all-round game as well. I mean, yeah. don't get me wrong. The putting was impressive, particularly because, I mean, I was into Bryson pre-tournament, and we'll get to Bryson later, but I was into him pre-tournament about the fact that I thought the the inability to rely on a greens book would really hurt him on the greens. Well, Dustin loves a greens book, mm. but he seemed to handle that transition so much more capably mm. than most others yes. who are deep in the greens book game. Yeah. And so, sure, that comes with experience. You know, he has played a lot of Masters. He's continued to improve in his Masters outings year after year. Again, another reason why we probably should have looked at the form book. Horses for courses and improved form year on year. All the hallmarks, truths, all the signs are pointing at something we couldn't see like the nose on our face. Mm. But, you know, 19 strokes gained total on the field this yeah. week. Yeah, it's Unbelievable the control that he had in all aspects of his game. I just, yeah, I'm, I'm really bullish about now where he stands. You know, he needed this second major. He desperately needed it to get people off his back, mm. to arrest the second guessing, to stop, you know, the, the, the cynicism around his game. If he can go to three, which I think is distinctly possible in the next 12 months, with those three majors, as I said, the Masters again in 140 days, mm. PGA Championship at Kiowa, which he loves, and the Open Championship back at Royal St. George's, of course, he's played very well on in the past. If he can snag one of those, we're at three. Mm. You know, we're at, as I said, Spieth, Payne Stewart, Nick Price. He snagged two of those or one the year after. Now we're, we're at four. Like he, I don't think there's any doubt anymore, to be honest, in my mind. Yes, he doesn't have the majors that Brooks or Rory has, but his consistency, his ability to go and win, and you know the, the wins in those 24 starts, they're not small. Number of WGCs, we've got a FedEx Cup playoff in there. These yeah. are not small tournaments. Yes, they're not majors, but they're the best thing outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's earned a shitload of money. <laughs> Hasn't he just? 70 million bucks. Gracious me, he's done well in the last 12 months. I'll tell you one more thing, and, and I, I'm, I probably don't have too much more on, on Dustin before we move on, but I think we should also put to bed today the knock on him, which is a big part of the reason why, and we've said it before in the past, people underrate him or sleep on him, the knock on him that he's apathetic or laconic. Mm. I... I challenge anybody to watch the interview that he did on the 18th green with Amanda Balionis and CBS after the tournament and tell me that he doesn't care 
yeah. that he doesn't that he isn't driven, that he doesn't have the desire to win. And we chastise him, Drudes, because he doesn't have the the seemingly killer instinct of Tiger or the you know the the jovial joker side that Phil does. Like we chastise him because he's quiet, because he doesn't talk much, because he doesn't show John Rahm's passion or frustration on the course. Who are we to to tell him how he should feel or how he should express his emotions? To watch that interview and to see that he, he could barely speak, he yeah. was that emotional, to know that that's how much the Masters means to him, to know that's how much as a kid growing up he dreamt of Tiger Woods putting a green jacket on his shoulders. I think we can well and truly put to bed that he doesn't care. 100%. 100% agree. I think, uh, yeah, it was. It, it, he was obviously very emotional. I think like the first two minutes of the interview, there was about five words spoken between him and um, Amanda. But it was, yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you. I don't think that my thoughts on him have, have never been the, that the passion's not there or he's apathetic. I think there's been times where that's been, uh, where I think that has been the case. Uh, the President's Cup, for example, he genuinely looked disinterested. Um, it's more the, you know, the personality side of things. And that just depends what you want in, in your golfer. Um, and he doesn't necessarily possess the big show, uh, outspoken, whatever, which is fine. Like, I don't, I don't really care either way. Um, but I completely agree with you to, uh, and anyone who continues to say that he's, that he doesn't care should go and watch the interview and watch the interview in the cabin afterwards, after Tiger puts the jacket on him because, you know, he, he still talks about it being a dream and, and, um, and I'm sure that's the way that he's going to feel for a little while to come anyway. Two numbers to round out on DJ Drutes. Uh, players to have ever reached 18 under or better at Augusta National. Tiger Woods in 97, Jordan Spieth in 2015, Dustin Johnson in 2020. Now I know, and we'll speak about it later, that the course played its role uh, this week. But he has the single best four-round total at Augusta National and has equaled the lowest score to par in any major men's major championship in the history of the game this weekend. Yeah. That, that to me, unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. It was a, a very, very impressive four day performance from one of the great, one of the greatest to, to, to play on the PGA tour. What we're going to do, Drew, is we're going to work our way uh, down the leaderboard and also uh, address our picks from yes. pre-tournament. But I want to start with, um, the two gentlemen tied for second. First and foremost, uh, I think we, both of us, uh, need to go on the record um, with a formal apology to Cameron Smith. <laughs> and, and I say this for uh, a few reasons. Uh, I think we've slept on him. And, you know, in parts rightfully so. He had that sensational win in Hawaii at the Sony Open. That seems like an age ago. He, he seems to have gone out to the wilderness for the last seven or eight months, save for an incredible performance for the international side at the President's Cup. Mm -hmm. But that is what's sticking in my mind. That I reflect now on this performance this weekend and think, how did we not see it? How did we not see it in that singles game against Justin Thomas? How did we not see it in his performances across that entire weekend at Royal Melbourne where he was arguably the best player the international side had? That he is, without doubt in my mind now, the out-and-out best Australian player we have at present. We get romanticised, Drudes, particularly on this podcast, by 
Adam Scott. We get romanticized by Jason Day. We certainly get romanticized by Mark Leishman. Mm-hmm. We certainly do not give Cameron Smith the credit he deserves. And in my mind, not only is he the best Australian player on the tour at the moment, he may be the best scrambling golfer <laughs> we've seen in some time. Yeah. He's, um, he had a bloody good four days. First player to ever shoot all four days in the 60s, which I think should be acknowledged. Um, his shot into 15 on, on Friday, where he made a tapping eagle, was probably the shot of, the shot of the tournament. It was incredible from where he from where he struck that from to where it to where it um, landed is was a monster shot, and it just beautifully drew in around the trees and uh, into into about two foot I think and, and tapped in for eagle and he gets his little diamond thing that they um, that they give everyone who makes an eagle, which is very exciting. Uh, to your point, yes, uh, I think he is probably the the best Aussie golfer that we have at present. Um, uh, I mean, look, Leash was there thereabouts early, uh, and then kind of fell away from it. And then other than that, like it was, I mean, Scotty made the cut, but didn't threaten at all. Like he, he was, you know, finished T thirty four, and then that was it. They were the only ones to make the cut. So he, Cameron Smith. He's the best Australian on the PGA Tour at the moment. I agree with you. And don't get me wrong, I don't want to take anything away from Leash. I mean, T13 is a huge performance from him. He shot up 13 places today with a round of 68 in the final round. Mm. Considering where he's been, considering the issues he's had with his back of late, huge performance from him over the four days, particularly from a guy who has gone on the record and said he has struggled since the resumption of golf with no fans because he, he thrives off the energy they've brought. I don't want to take anything away from Leash, but... Mm. I think on balance, we've we've been sleeping on Cameron Smith, if that's possible. You know, like the literally, literally in the history of the Masters tournament, the only player to ever hit four rounds in the sixties, ever. Yeah. That blew me and away when I saw that. Five strikes. Like, how unlucky can you be? <laughs> that blew me away when I saw that. I was like, is that is that legit? Like, Tiger's been pretty good at Augusta National, and he's and Cameron Smith. The boy from Queensland is the first one to shoot four, <laughs> four rounds of, in the 60s. It was quite phenomenal. We how's this for a stat? Yeah, how's go. this for a stat from our good mate, Tony Weber, Australian Golf Digest? 15 under wins 76 of the 83 previous Masters tournaments. Yeah. And gets him into a playoff in 2018. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Amazing. I think, to, I think that's going to talk more to the course um, when we get to that. But it, that's that's quite phenomenal and very unlucky for Cam. Um, we did get a Smith. Uh, we did get a Smith. Jesus Christ. We did get a question. Take winning off the table. This is from Dane M. Study. Uh, take winning off the table. What's more impressive, DJ's 20 or Cam's four rounds in the 60s? Oh, I find it very hard to separate winning from the two. I still think it's, I still think it's DJ's twenty. To be honest, yeah. I mean, I, I love Cameron, but sixty-seven, sixty-eight, sixty-nine, sixty-nine. I don't know that that betters two sixty-fives. Yeah, no, 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 I agree. I agree. To be honest, can, can I just say on Cameron? Um, and they would have been going. You mentioned the boy from Queensland. They would have been going absolutely bunter at the one team country club in the northern <laughs> suburbs of Brisbane over the last four days. 
they do love him there, a place where he has, has particularly after one or two of the Australian PGA Championship victories that he's had, has driven back up from the Gold Coast, shouted the bar to the wee hours of the morning at the Wontema uh, Country Club. So they would have been loving the, the run on the last last four days from Smithy. Putted his absolute balls off at Augusta National. 9.9 strokes game putting to lead the field in putting statistics this weekend. Also, the entire tournament. I shouldn't limit it to Saturday, Sunday. Yeah, and we spoke about that in our, in our preview, that his putting is, is phenomenal. Uh, and, of course, so important at Augusta National. Um, but yeah, just his ball striking in general was really good. Really, really good. I haven't seen him hit a ball like that for quite a while. Even when he won at Sony, like he picked his way around that course very well um, in some tough conditions. But I think this weekend or this week um, was probably the best ball striking that we've seen Cameron Smith have for quite a long time. There's something really cool about watching a player who they have a genuine chance of making putts when they're still 15, 20 feet from the, the hole. Yeah, like yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of players and two players are exceptional putters, don't get me wrong, but when you can separate yourself and elevate your putting to another level, you know, 20 footers, most of the time we'd say, right, you probably get within one or two feet and two putt this. Every time Smithy lines up for a 20 footer, I, I, there's a genuine chance. Yeah, Genuine chance he drills it. And it kept him like watching that round on Saturday, like he that back nine of him on Saturday was some of the most impressive scrambling I've seen. He kept himself in the tournament. Mm. Yeah. With his with his work around the green and his putting today, unbelievable on seven. He was nowhere. He was in the depths of the woods on seven today. Yes. And threw his hands with a with a wedge that somehow managed to get over the trees and within four foot of the hole. He did the same on nine. He was in the pine straw. Like the way he scrambled, continued to keep himself in the tournament. Sure, you know there was nobody, nobody in the world was giving him a chance to catch Dustin, but there was twice as many people who said he wasn't going to be there on Sunday afternoon, mm. and he maintained it with exceptional determination. As I said, I, I think potentially the best, um, and unfortunately, it's not a, a strokes gain category tracked on the Masters website. Strokes gain scrambling. He would be, there'd be daylight second behind Cameron Smith. Yes, I agree. On 15 today, I mean, look, the tournament was pretty much wrapped up by that point anyway, but on 15 today, went way left out over the bridge and into the media people who were watching. And then a beautiful little chip shot, or it was more of a pitch really to to end up making birdie. Like you're right, the scrambling uh, probably kept him in the tournament. To be honest, if he doesn't, if he doesn't put that to, you know, a handful of feet and then makes a clutch birdie putt, then he drops it back another shot. Like he he was outstanding when he was out of position all week, and I think that's very very important at Augusta because the way that the course is set up, and you know, you're not going to hit a hundred percent of the perfect shots. So if you can uh, if you can get yourself back in a good good spot after a shit shot, then I think uh, you. You've got a pretty good chance of taking on the jacket. Well done to Smithy, a well-earned T2 at 15 under. Joined at T2 by one of our favourites, one of our personal favourites here on the 19th tee, Hung Jay, him. And Jeezy was Hung Jay this weekend. Sometimes he's Hung Jay, but this weekend he was Hung Jay. (laughs) He is the lowest round by a debutante at a Masters, I believe. 
I think mm. goes uh, or lowest, sorry, score. Uh, I think he passes Jason Day. Maybe had that. I don't know. You'll probably have that stat there. Um, yeah, fifteen under. You know, three under today. Um, just a lot of similarities with with the way that he sort of went about his. Uh, scoring as DJ. Uh, it was only one shot behind on day one, then both shot 70s on Saturday and then, uh, sorry, on Friday and then Saturday, um, DJ pulled away a little bit as we, of course, know. But he was very, very good. And if that's the way that he is going to uh, commence his career at the Masters, then it won't be long before he is getting the jacket uh, put around his shoulders. His touches with the wedge in hand, Drews, were exceptional. He was uh, five and a half strokes gained around the green uh, on the field, the best in the tournament. Uh, a number of um, holes from off the green. Mm-hmm. Uh, exceptional touch this week with the with the wedge in hand, which, as we know, Drews, uh, the ability to chip at Augusta National, critical to success. Yeah. Critical to success. He, I think it was 15, uh, maybe it was 15, I can't remember. He absolutely like blew the green, like went miles over the green, nearly into the water over the back and uh, had this awkward little chip shot uphill, had to basically ram it into the side of the upslope and then it just trickled over onto the green and went to about a foot. Like I said, Cameron Smith's shot uh, at... On the par five to two feet was the best shot of the tournament. Well, that could be the second best shot of the tournament, to be honest, um, because there's almost that's almost harder to do what Song Jay did and put it so close. But he he's an exceptional talent. There is no doubt about it, and and it's amazing that a guy like him can just come out and put this performance together. Because since the restart as we know, as we've spoken about ad nauseum on this podcast, is that his game has been absolutely nowhere. He missed so many cuts. And I remember we we pointed him out a a few weeks ago that he actually made a cut and we praised him for it. And now to finish T2 and shoot 15 under at Augusta National for the first time uh, is is something seriously, seriously impressive. So he's going to be a a big part of the PGA Tour for for a long time to come. He's going to be a big part of the President's Cup team's for a long time to come as well. I was just about to say, can we talk about the three gentlemen tied for second after 54 holes? Yeah. Cameron Smith, Sung J.M., Abraham Answer. Now, yeah. poor old Abe had a tough day, four over on Sunday, <laughs> to drop back to eight under for the tournament. But how good does that look for the international setting forward in the President's Cup? Three of the youngest members of the team in December in, in, in Melbourne last year. Three players that you would think will probably each get three, maybe even four President's Cups under their belt. Mm. Uh, as the core of that side moving forward. Geez, that's great science. Trevor Inwoman would be very, very happy with the foundations of his team in a few years' time. Oh, absolutely. No no doubt about it. Um, the only balancing point of that is you've got Dustin Johnson <laughs> winning the tournament and Justin Thomas only a couple of sh- shots behind. So the Americans also look pretty good. But for us, let's uh, let's hope that we can finally turn the tables but uh yeah massive wraps on on sunday you mentioned that we both bloody love him on this podcast and it's true um and yeah i i just keep thinking about if that's how he plays the first time at at a masters then then watch out because he's gonna he's gonna have one sooner rather than later some exciting news for sunday just before we move uh on he is famously a golfing nomad Travelling mm-hmm. from city to city, hotel to hotel room, from tournament 
to tournament. He does not have a base uh, in America. Uh, a big part of that is obviously the uncertainty over his future with conscription into the South Korean army hanging over his head. But as revealed on the broadcast across the weekend, Reds, he's about to close on a house mm. in Augusta, Georgia. Yes. So you want to talk about how good he was in his debut. You want to talk about how good he's going to be in the future. Well, when Augusta National is his home course, (laughs) he's going to be unbelievable. And I love that. I love the fact that he hasn't plopped himself there in Florida or over on the West Coast like a lot of other golfers. He said, no, this is is the tournament. This is the tournament I win. I'm going to buy a bloody house in Augusta. Do you reckon they'll allow him to play it? They'd be, wow. Oh, oh. I, was just I don't say, reckon they would. That'd be foolish not to, but geez, they, they've done a lot of stranger things. I don't reckon they would. If he won. Yeah, if he win, won, yeah, for sure. Funny a walk back in there. Yeah. Um, but but probably not just as a resident. He'd probably have to put himself on the wait list for membership. Yes. I think There's so. a few other oddities that the Augusta National Golf Club want to get to in the miscellaneous section of this podcast, Rudes, but we yes. will... We will get there. Uh, we're going to work our way through our picks. Yes. Now, obviously, we, we, we each put, as we do uh, for every major, we each put four names down heading into uh, Thursday, which was who we think will win, who we want to win, who definitely won't win, and who's a bit of a smoky. So why don't we start with who we thought was going to win? Uh, I was on the record with Justin Thomas. A yeah. big part of the reason I was on the record with Justin Thomas was the proclivity in recent years of the uh, leader in the strokes gained approach category winning the tournament. I think in the last five years, there was three wins and a second and a third for the people who had led that category. He ended up finishing the tournament third in strokes gained approach behind uh, Honest Abraham Anser and former champion Danny Willett, funnily enough. But uh, Justin Thomas, while threatening Drudes, um, petered out to what I would describe as a a disappointing fourth, 12 under, eight strokes back from the leader, three strokes back from the, the pairing of Smith and him. Yeah. Um, everything was there for the first two days and then the weekend just struggled a little bit. Um, I mean, still uh, four rounds under par. Uh, so no, no, nothing to sneeze at there, but just just some bogeys at, at bad times. Like even today, like started with, with a bogey on two, like, and then yesterday was yesterday was a nightmare. Started beautifully, two under par, making the turn, and then ends up with uh, four bogeys in in the final six holes. Um, to, to, to that kind of put him out of contention yesterday. Um, uh, it's it's hard to say when when players were in contention because DJ was so far ahead. Um, mm. But yeah, I. I agree with you that it was a disappointing fourth for Justin Thomas, which sounds ridiculous to say. Obviously a major winner before. He's sitting on one with those 142 other golfers at the moment. I kind of feel like we almost approach it as a fait accompli that he's going to finish his career as a multiple major winner. But again, I find myself just a little bit concerned. He seems to a number of times in the last 12 months, put himself in a position without the ability to kick it into sixth gear and, and win a tournament. And yeah. particularly in the last couple of months, like in the resumption of golf, I spoke about beforehand, it was the major reason I picked him was his his approach shots. You know, his work with the iron hands has been exceptional, but I don't know what it is. He He really seems to lean into this bit of... Like he just, it's kind of like a self-admonishment 
you know, it's a real roller coaster ride with him. You know, we, we've spoken about the hand gestures when he when he flays his drives right or left. We've spoken about you know yelling at himself, slapping the thighs. I kind of just want him to get on with it. Mm. You know, like you are such a talented player, but out and out in the the best you know four or five players in the world when you're playing your best golf. But just I, I kind of feel like we need to drop the drop the rubbish. It's not him. It's some players. It doesn't feel to me like it's him. Yeah. And I, I kind of feel like he's really leaning into this bit that in many respects distracts him. You spoke about really, to, to use a bit of tennis terminology, the unforced errors, mm. just the unnecessary bogeys, particularly mm. the way he finished that third round. Where their holes, you know, 15, 16, 17, 18, they are holes to pick up shots. Yeah. Yeah. It just didn't happen. Yeah. And that's the difference. You look at DJ and Smithy through those holes across all four rounds. That was where they picked up shots uh, and it didn't happen for JT, uh, which is disappointing. And, and I mean, like I kind of like the, the emotion that he shows, but there are times where like, I was trying to think of this before, like is Justin Thomas, how would you describe him as an AFL player? Is he, is he an inside midfielder or is he an outside runner? I kind of feel like he's – I kind of get the sense that there's – at times it is hard for him to grind out a win. We've seen him do it plenty of times before, but I just feel like there are times where it, it almost seems too hard for him. And I don't know how, how or why that is because he's immensely, immensely talented. And he's, mm. he's probably going to pass a lot of other players that are older than him by the time he retires. He, you know, we're talking about how many majors is he going to have, uh, is Dustin going to have before he retires? Well, Justin could have more than DJ by the time he retires. So Absolutely. Uh, I don't know. It's I a funny question. I don't, know, I don't know that I'd place him in the midfield at all. Yeah. I reckon he's, I reckon he's an exciting you know, player on the half forward flank. Like he lights up when he lights up, but Mm. there's not a lot of two way running. There's not a lot of work off the ball. Yeah. You know, when when he's there, he's the, one of the most exciting prospects in the game. But Mm. when the thing, when things aren't going his way, it's not, it's not head down, ass up, work hard. No. doesn't seem to be at least anyway. It's funny. It's funny, isn't it? Because he's so immensely talented and we've, you know, he's had multiple wins this year and we've spoken at nauseam about him and yet here we are disappointed in a, in a, in a four, outright fourth finish at the Masters. It seems weird, yeah. but I think know, it's fair. for a player of his talent, 66, 69, Thursday, Friday, mm. like you are there. Yeah. You know, you're nine under there. Mm-hmm. What are, you, what are you doing? 71-70 to Peter out in the weekend. Don't worry. We're going to talk about plenty of people who Petered out in the weekend. Sidebar, that's a great podcast. Golfers as AFL footballers. That's a great podcast. We'll park that one. That's future content. Speaking of disappointed, Drew, it's your tip. Yeah, John Rahm. Yeah, mm-hmm. very disappointing. And look, much the same as JT. Uh, it went 69-66, so both nine under uh, heading into the weekend. And then 72-71, like just just rubbish golf at times. Like he topped a shot. (laughs) What? (laughs) Like who does like I do that. That's not, that's not the John Rahm that we know. Uh, Him on eight yesterday. Yeah. That that was the full golf experience. 
that was something that I would expect to see from you or I. You yes. know, you, you, you slight push fade drive on the right-hand side of the fairway, take out your three wood to get to a, a par five green and two, shocking duck hook in behind the trees, take on an ambitious gap to, you know, middle a tree and get bumped again under the pine, punch out. Like, it was just ugly. And I was like, are we watching... Are we watching a, a Saturday golfer? Or are we watching literally the second best golfer in the world? What, what are we watching here? Yeah, I agree. Oh, I completely agree. Um, it was tough to watch. <laughs> it was very tough to watch. I mean, it made a double on uh, on the eighth um, yesterday, which like is a par five, and they should have all been gettable this week. And then made another double on twelve. Like he was just all over the place, and then made an eagle on fifteen. Like <laughs> it was, it was. A very Jordan Spieth round today, I felt. <laughs> like I, there was a lot of emotions watching John Rahm today. Um, I think and, that's still the problem for him, right? It's the gap between the best and the worst. Yeah, and this yeah. is a guy who has produced his very best golf this season on the toughest courses on the PGA Tour, which led us to believe that heading to Augusta National, particularly with his length, uh, particularly with his iron play, he was red-hot chance. I didn't blink an eye when you picked him leading into the tournament. That's just not knowing still what John Rahm is going to turn up. Because yeah. when he does turn up, mother mother mercy, he is an unbelievable golfer and capable of taking that tournament away. But we just, we just have the gap still, the inconsistency. And the other thing that comes with that is when he plays bad, his emotions yeah. flow from that. And he is such an emotional player, sometimes for good, oftentimes for bad. Like when his passion's up, you know, he hits a good shot, he's pumping his chest. You've seen it in the Ryder Cup. You've seen mm. it in a number of his victories. When he's using it for good, unbelievable asset to his game. When he's kicking himself and he's dirty and he's down, it really drags him. Yeah. Oh, it's, it, he, and I think that just compounds his golf, right? So he, he makes a bad bogey and then gets annoyed with himself and then he goes out and continues to to stumble and it's a it's a vicious cycle for him um which is disappointing because he's immensely talented it's wild to think that he's the number two ranked player in the world like and on the weekend didn't really compete like with Mm. with anything like it was just he it, it was just making up the numbers in a lot of ways which was really really disappointing because i picked him based off his his iron striking um, and even that really wasn't there this week. Um, I mean, look, made an incredible hole in one across the water. <laughs> Exceptional. But that doesn't count for shit when you go out uh, and really put in a, a, an average performance over the weekend. Want to win. Let's go there next. And I'll start with me. Yeah. Uh, Xander Schauffele. Just... Meh. Yeah. Like, just shit or get off the pot, Xander. What are you going to do? <laughs> Honest, honestly, shit or get off the pot. There was only two players who had a better round than him on Thursday. It was Paul Casey and Dustin Johnson. Yeah. Opening round 67, Droods. Like, we're, we're good to go. Five under through the first, you know, through the, through the first day. And then goes 73. So we go one over par in round two, 71 and 70 to finish T17 at seven under. 
it's it's time, Xander. It's exactly the reason that I spoke about. It. It's time to just get on with it. You're either going to win or you're not. But I'm sick of being teased by Xander Shoffler. Roots. Sick yeah. of it. I'm, the patience is wearing thin with Xander. Like again, immensely talented, uh, and that's part of the problem. Is like just just win. Like like you're too mm. good not to be winning. Um, and in this case, like you weren't even close to winning. We just compete a little bit more. Um, I, I don't know. I don't know with Xander. Like, it, I struggle to. He's kind of like he's one of those guys that again doesn't have the big personality that's out there. That's not always at the forefront of your mind. But he he has such a talent. At the Presidents Cup, he was arguably one of the Americans' best players. And then, like, just, yeah, meh. I think that's a great way to, to describe what he's put up, to be honest. It was just nothing. Like, I had the stat before the weekend that of players who've played, I think, eight majors in the last three or four years, he has the second best score to par only behind Brooks Kepka, mm. who's won bloody four majors. Yeah. Like, he threatens but doesn't execute. And that's, that's a bit boy who cried wolf. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's a good. That's a good way to sum it. I reckon. Very good way to sum it up. You all want Matthew, to win. I had Matthew Fitzpatrick, and man, oh, it's just a great way to describe that as well. Like it was just an average out and out performance. Uh, made the cut. I think wouldn't have been far off being on the number. Um, and then yeah, just delivered nothing on the weekend. Um, like just, just like finished T forty six with Jordan Spieth and Victor Perez and. Charles Howe third, but I mean, when Tiger Woods is beating you shooting a 76 today and Paul Casey is shooting a 77 five over today, like it says something about your game. I think, mm. I think maybe my love affair with Matthew Fitzpatrick maybe needs to come to an end, but <laughs> he's, he's a very, very talented golfer and he'll break through one day, but it's, um, it was hard to watch that. Hard to watch that today for uh, young Matthew. You mentioned a name there. Sorry, I, I digress. How's Paul Casey? Yeah, 65 Thursday, 77 on Sunday. Wow. I play golf with a mate on uh, Friday after the uh, after the opening round, and we're going, yeah, what is like, what is with Paul Casey and majors this year? <laughs> like, it was incredible at the PGA Championship. Um, and then, yeah, just really really fell off a cliff. <laughs> 70 81 in his opening round of the Masters last year. There's some there's some graphics going around the comparison of opening rounds 81 to 65 and everyone's like oh shit he's on here. Yeah. 77 on so I think he dropped 23 23 spots today alone. Yeah. That's phenomenal. Yeah. I also need to issue an apology before we move on. I said that uh, only Dustin Johnson and Paul Casey had better rounds on Thursday than Xander. Justin Thomas actually with a 66. Doesn't change my opinion Xander. Step up or go home. Get on with it. Uh, uh, let's talk about our Smokies because yes. I, I think we're going to – there's a bit to unpack in our will not wins. Um, so let's talk about our Smokies. Mine was Matthew Wolfe. Um, opening round 70. Cut. He did. He missed the cut completely. Opening round 70, not bad. Two under, serviceable. You know, first time at the course, work your way in. 77 on Friday. That's no good. That's no good. He missed the cut by three shots in the end. Uh, and to be fair, what's he had? I think a um, second and a fourth in his previous two majors. So 
you know, the trend was bound to drop off. We'll forgive him a, a miscut and just his third major start. He'd be better for it. I would expect him to to improve on that uh, in April when we, we round back to Augusta National, but a little bit disappointing from uh, from Matty Wolf as my smokey. Very. I had Cameron Champ, uh, T19, uh, dropped four spots today, finished alongside Scotty Scheffler, Tommy Fleetwood, Sebastian Munoz, uh, sidebar. Sebastian Munoz, rapidly rising as a player that I quite enjoy watching. Yeah, he's great. Um, just, yeah, just, just love everything about it. Um, yeah, Cameron Champ, just... Two very good rounds of 68 on uh, Thursday and Saturday and then a couple in the 70s. Um, not a great one on Friday, a couple over par, but had a seven today on the uh, on the 12th. So that's always nice to see that on the scorecard. But um, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty happy for him to finish T19, to be honest. That's, a, um, that's not a bad little... Not a bad little outing for Cameron Champ, I don't think. He'll be... I, th- I imagine he'll be happy. Well, he'll be okay with that. Certainly not as disappointed as Matthew Wolf. <laughs> Uh, let's get to finally our white wins. I want to start with yours. Yes. Uh, Patrick Cantlay. Yes. T17. Another Paddy. Shit or get off the pot. What are you doing? Well, I mean, was in the lead, like contending for the lead at one point. Correct. Uh, I think he was actually in the lead. Uh, I mean, he was, yeah, he was eight under par at the. Heading into the weekend, so one shot back from the leaders, and then yeah, just the weekend was a, an absolute disaster for him. Um, just bogeys everywhere. Uh, like, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about Patrick Cantlay. Um, he, I genuinely thought that he was a chance of of contending this week. Like, I didn't think he would win, hence why I picked him in that category, but. I thought that he would deliver a better performance than what he did. I don't think that's unfair. You weren't Robinson Crusoe, and you had every right to, uh, you know, coming in off a recent win. Friday, six under 66, we all sat up and went, oh, shit, there might be something on here. Mm. And then, yeah, one over an even par to finish the two rounds Saturday, Sunday. It's just disappointing. There's a whole lot of guys here that got to the weekend and absolutely shut the bed, mm. which is really disappointing. You know, that's... You, you should, in fact, peter through Thursday, Friday and hit your strap Saturday, Sunday, not the other way around. Yeah, I agree with that. You're one. <laughs> wow. Well, it's taken nice. us best part of an hour, uh, but I'm glad we have not mentioned his name prior to this because uh, it, it, it wasn't deserving. Uh, T34 finish for the player who um, entered the tournament with the most amount of attention, um, arguably entered the tournament with the most amount of attention of any player outside of Tiger Woods to a Masters in the history of the tournament. Mm. Austin DeChambeau. Uh, so two under 70 to start, not bad. And then the wheels fell off on the third hole of his second round. And he never recovered 74, 69 serviceable and one over today, 73. But for all that was promised, Druids, for all that was spoken about, it was a very, albeit uncharacteristic, but underwhelming performance from Bryson. Yeah, yeah for sure. Um, I mean, look, I... Where do you start? If he comes back in April and improves on a couple of areas, like, it could be in for... He could win by 10 shots. There's no doubt. If this is the worst that he's going to play at Augusta National, then I think then that's 
everyone should probably sit up and take notice. I mean, I did feel for the guy on the third hole um, on Friday when he lost his ball. It was like, weird. That was like, genuinely weird. I just, I, I just feel like that we should be better than that. Like mm. he, he hasn't hit a bad shot. Like sure, it's in the rough. Like it's, it's, it's still in play. I just, I like, I know the ruling obviously changing with the five to three minutes and, and all the rest of it. But like, how are we not finding that ball? Like, unless it's lodged in somewhere, like surely we can, surely we, we must be able to find that. Like, I, I felt sorry for him there. Like, and that was, that was probably really, I know he shot 69 the next day, but that was probably really the tipping point in his, in his um, tournament, to be honest. Oh, absolutely was. I mean, you look at the scorecard on day two, he had the triple on the third after yeah. losing the tee shot. He then goes bogey on the fourth, bogey on the fifth, claws on back on the sixth, but bogey again on the seventh. You get under the back nine, bogey, par, birdie, 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 par, birdie, bogey, bogey. He, he was just all over the joint. No consistency, no momentum. It completely took the air out of his tyres. And I feel for him, Drudes. I think he's a victim of there being no fans at the tournament. That doesn't happen if there's people lining that fairway. Mm-hmm. Uh, in fact, <laughs> there's been many a player who've hit from that side of the third hole, mm-hmm. many a champion who've buried their drive on that side of the third hole, uh, you know, only to hit a fantastic second shot out, no doubt. And to be honest, as I said, it was uncharacteristic. I mean, he had the two-way miss going. He was missing right, he was missing left of the fairway. Incredibly uncharacteristic from how he's driven the ball. Yeah, but there but, were other things that held up for mine, like the the point I made about the greens and his inability to read without the book. Big problem. Now he will learn. Um, his approach play in soft conditions. I mean that not that's the other thing. The conditions set up incredibly well for him, mm. and his inability to get the the really really short irons and wedges working. I don't. I mean, I think you would be insane, insane to think he doesn't learn from this experience. And if you think he's not going to come back better in April, you're crazy. Yeah. I'm still not convinced, even if he can get the drive straight, that there's enough in the rest of the game. I mean, it's not going to be that soft in April. No. And if he couldn't get his approach play together when the greens were literally plugging, imagine what it's going to be like in April. He'll get the run off the drives, no doubt about it. He's still got to be able to hit the ball on the green and putt for that matter. Mm. Yeah, can, oh, I agree. Agree with everything that you've said. Um, there's just, uh, I think you summed it up best in our in our preview pod where we spoke, where you said that there was too much noise inside his head, and I, I, I firmly believe that was the case. Like every every shot that he hit, every drive, mainly every drive that he hit was like, I was nervous sitting there watching it, like going. Shit, I hope he hits a good one here because, like, and I've seen it on social. Like, people are tearing strips off the guy. Like, I mean, ultimately, two under T thirty four, yeah, is is a pretty average performance compared to what we were all expecting. Um, but he still did some very impressive things on that golf course. Uh, and I think come April, he he will be a big show again. Um, figuratively and literally. Um, oh, some, some of the lines that he took, I think it was Friday's playing um, 13 and, and John Rahm, there's a, there's a great still image after he's hit his tee shot of Rahm holding his left. arm up, signaling, signaling four left. Oh, and it that was, was on two. It was on in the two. middle of the fairway. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It went like straight, went cut, like cut straight over the over the trees on the left on number two. Yeah, and then John Rahm's going, yeah, that's uh, that's gone that way. <laughs> it's just perfect spot. Too many dog leg lefts for me. I'm getting my dog leg lefts uh, mixed up. But uh, look, a couple of things about Bryson. You say there's too much noise in his head. Absolutely, there is. Three quarters of it is self perpetuated. <laughs> 100%. It's one of his biggest problems, honestly. Like, put to one side the, the social media strategy, which is in and of itself remarkable. Like, if someone needs to sit him down. He needs to go and pay an external firm, I think, to take over the accounts if he hasn't already because he brings an awful lot of it on himself. Put that to one side. To come out pre-tournament and say that he's treating it like a par 67 yeah. was foolish. Yeah. Like that was, that was McKenzie just from the grave, just giving him just a big middle finger. Well, just have a bit of respect. I mean, yeah, you've gained a bit of distance, mate. There's no doubt about that. But let's be honest, the best performance you've had on this course is an amateur. Yeah. And since turning professional, you've been nowhere here. Mm. You think just because you've put 40, 50 yards on your drive, all of a sudden – you shave five shots off par. Yeah. Like, I'm not surprised the golf course gave him a big middle finger on the weekend. That's the it part just, I don't like It brings an awful lot of it on himself. That's the part I don't like about Bryson. Like, that cockiness. Like, yeah. Like, I, 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 I like Bryson. I like that he's a talking point. I like that he's set out to do something and has done it and he's succeeding um, at, you know, driving the ball a bloody long way and he's still playing very good golf. But when he comes out and does shit like that, those vain social media videos, all the rest of it, like that's the part that I'm like, why are you doing this? Like it just, if he was just such a humble guy and he is a very humble guy, like, but there are just sometimes like coming out and saying about Augusta national, like it's not any other course, like it's Augusta national saying, yeah, I'm treating it like a par 67. Like it's just so like disrespectful start for starters, but like just dumb. Like mm. why would you say that before you play the tournament? I think the best thing that he could do between now and April, and as I say, you would be mad to think he's not going to come back in April having done, like if anyone is going to go away and do methodical research about his performance in the course, it's Bryson. Mm. Be mad to think he's not going to come back and improve on that performance. The very best thing he could do is just shut it down. I don't want to see any more videos from Chris Como's lounge room where he's smashing the ball into a net. I don't want to see it. Next time someone like Nick Faldo comes, sorry, Sir Nick Faldo comes up to you on the range trying to get a video of the track man showing you your ball speed, tell Nick respectfully to piss off. I, I, I can't see another video of him hitting a drive and someone zooming in to see 200 miles per hour ball speed. Don't care. Yeah. Do not care. Means now, this seems wild to say because you, we seem to have a very short memory. He won the US Open. Mm. He's won a major this year. But I don't really feel sorry for him when people say there's a lot of noise because he brings it upon himself. He builds himself up. He's done wonders for golf. He's the biggest story in the game. He's brought so many eyeballs. It's desperately what it's needed, a bit of disruption, a bit of disturbance. But you've got to take the good with the bad. If you're going to put yourself out there and you put out a performance like he did on the weekend, it doesn't suggest that the method's not working. That will be seen, you know, in April. If he goes out and does this again in April, maybe there's some questions asked. But the guys want a major this year. But mm. just maybe dial it back a touch. Also, Drew, when it's not going your way, 
pick your bloody lip up off the ground. He mopes around the course. He does. It's I, I can't, it's honestly it's painful to watch. He mm. he just you can see drags his feet, drops his bottom lip, his chin goes down, his shoulders like mate. You've hit a few bad shots. Yeah. There's no zero mental toughness. Zero yeah. mental toughness. And he's good, but and like the thing is, he's good enough to just like bounce back as well. Mm. <laughs> like that's the other thing. So, can I just say just before we wrap up, Bryce? Yeah. And, and I, and I, <laughs> I know it sounds like I'm 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 digging the boot in. I've said it many times. I don't love it, but I love what it's done for the game. Mm. And irrespective, I tune in because you you can't not watch it. What I just want to say is. Does it not seem strange that he finished 18 strokes behind a guy that he could be? Yeah. Like Dustin is, I think on average, Dustin's giving up about 17 yards driving distance in the 2021 season and has beaten him by 20 strokes. If he had spent the last five months, instead of putting on 40 pounds, working on his approach and his putting, like he's only gained 17 yards on Dustin driving distance in this season. Dustin's just knocked him by 18 strokes in the biggest tournament of the year. Mm. Yeah. I, I find that ironic yeah. that Dustin really has the best all round game and he's only 15, 17 yards off Bryson's driving distance. We've put yeah. all this energy, time, effort, 11 protein shakes a day, three sessions at the gym into falling behind a guy that you could be if you just spent that time on other parts of your game. Mm. Yeah, it's it's a fascinating thing to watch. And we forget that he's so young too. Oh, unbelievably. I just, like I just wonder if this is all like some long-term plan, like get the weight on while he's still young and then start to do that, work on other parts of his game over the next couple of years. And whatever he wins between now and three years' time is just a bonus and he's going to peak in three years' time. I don't know. Possibly. Conspiracy Maybe. theory, Nathan. <laughs> that gets through our picks. Uh, yes. There's probably, there's still a few people on the leaderboard, Druids, who we, we need to mention. First and foremost, T5. Yes. Rory McElroy. Yes, this is one 14 I under through the final three rounds of the tournament. He opened with a 75. Yeah. I think the time has come for us to just completely drop any expectations we have on Rory heading into majors. And enjoy what comes because I couldn't have been more amped when I woke up and saw the conditions, the soupy conditions following a deluge of rain, mm. wet course, cold. It, it was literally Rory's Nirvana and he went out and hit three over on Thursday. Yeah, and that was just that back nine of that, you know, back nine on Thursday was, was what ruined his tournament for him. Um, other than that, he played really well. Uh, walking off 18 today, he was... He had the biggest smile on his face and I was trying to work out like, why are you smiling so much? Like, and maybe he's just at the point in his career now where he is just, he's going to compete, but like maybe, you know, he's a father now. Like it's just, that's it. We just drop all expectations across any tournament that he plays in. And if he wins, he wins. If he doesn't, then he's still going to go down as one of the greats. I, I, I don't think that's unfair. It's just frustrating. I mean, to finish 66, 67, 69. Mm-hmm. Very frustrating. 
You know, this is a guy who hasn't won a major since, what, 2014? Mm. And he is... Like, can you imagine? Look, let's just play devil's advocate. As I said, 14 under through the final three rounds. Can you imagine if that 75 on Thursday was even 70? Mm. Maybe 69. And he was within four or five strokes of Dustin today. Due respect, we waxed lyrical about Smithy and we love him. Due respect to Sungjae. Can you imagine if Dustin's wobbliest art where he dropped back to just a one-stroke lead, if that was above Rory, mm. finishing the way we know he does at majors? Absolutely. That's a really good point. There's a different tournament altogether. Mm. And it's consistently this first round. It's not even the first cut. It's the first round. It happens all the time. I don't know what it is because he, he then goes completely unencumbered because the pressure's off. Yeah. Oh, well, I've, I've, the weekend's gone to shit anyway, so who cares? Yeah. It's so frustrating because he teases us every single time and every single time we bite thinking it's going to be different. The, the team at, at Data Golf put him at 0.6 of a percent to win heading into today. He jumped five spots with a 69. Mm. Yeah, they gave him next to no chance. And again, he went out four under. Yeah, you know, he finished nine strokes back. But Thursday's different. This whole tournament is different. Mm. And imagine, you know, we, we spoke about Dustin now out and out the best post-prime Tiger era players. No doubt about that. Imagine the buzz around today if, if Rory had been on his heels. Yeah, it would have been massive. Different tournament. Very, very different tournament. Who else you got? Tiger Woods, Eef. the defending champion. Can I can I just say the opening round? You want to talk about taking the bait? You want to talk about getting excited? That was one of the most effortless sixty eights I've seen at Augusta National. It really was. <laughs> First time he's ever played around at the course, bogey free. Yeah. And he looked in complete control on Thursday to hit 68 and sit comfortably. He thought, shit, here we go. Hmm. Up, back. Until, up until Saturday, like I was talking to people and I was like, like I'm wary that Tiger is like Tiger's only a couple back. Mm. Um, and then Saturday came around and didn't really tighten the screws. Obviously shot even par. And then today, he was at a 10. Uh, if we just touch on that for a moment, what a nightmare. That 10 was unbelievable. And for those who might not have seen it, uh, I highly recommend heading to the Masters website. Unbelievable technology this year. They, they've just packaged everything up. You can go and watch literally every stroke Tiger has played. You can pick the new My Group feature where you select different players, pop them into a group of two or three. You can watch consecutive. Shows. Unbelievable technology from the can Masters. We- they continue to lift the bar year on year. Can we sidebar on that for a moment? Sure. It wasn't what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> I, I think a lot of people thought it was going to be live. <laughs> yeah, I was like watching it. I'm sitting there on Thursday, on Friday night, whatever night it was, and I'm like, like why, why aren't I seeing anything? Like, <laughs> mm. and then it was just popping up. It was like it was a highlights package. It definitely wasn't, wasn't, wasn't. You know, like it wasn't what I thought it was going to be. But hey, look, I'm. It was, it was cool, I guess. 
what I would say to you is maybe not in April, but give them another 12 months on top of that. I imagine mm. it will be life. Yeah. The fact that you can do that, I mean, I don't think, and a lot of it's probably down to the marketing. It's not built for the person trying to watch it live. It's built for the guy who has been at the office all day or yeah. is trying to catch it on his lunch break yeah. or the girl for that matter. Um, that's terribly narrow-minded of me. Uh, but it's not built for the people trying to watch it live. There's many number of products you can do that with. I, I, I really liked it myself because it was – moments where I was stepping in and out and I was trying to catch up on a few things and uh, particularly today I didn't see um, I didn't see Tigers 10 on the 12th and the ability to go back and watch him put his tee shot into the water mm. put his uh, third shot from the drop zone um, that ball spun more than any ball I saw the entire weekend <laughs> but for all intents and purposes that should have stayed on the green somehow spun back into the water uh, obviously overcompensating, he blew his fifth shot into the back bunker in one of the most incredibly challenging lies I've ever seen. Like his right leg was fully extended in the bunker and his left leg was tucked up underneath his armpit on the fringe of the bunker. I've mm. never seen anything like it. Mm. Anyway, he blew his, what would that be, his sixth shot back out of the bunker into the water. So dropped into the bunker for his eighth shot. I've also never seen a drop into a bunker. That's incredible. To put it within two feet and putt out for 10. Remarkable. It was a thing of beauty in many ways. And then he went on a hell of a run afterwards. Like made five birdies in the next six holes. It's just to, hey, like I might have hit a 10, but just a reminder, I can still do this. Well, I, I think that's worth pointing out um, per Justin Ray. It's his highest single total score on a hole in his master's career. He's never shot a 10 on any hole in his master's career. He then went five under 13 through 18, which is the best run he's ever had, holes 13 through 18 in his master's career. Mm. That's just incredible to me. And as the mark of the player, that he could have, much like a, a certain person we were speaking about only moments ago, thrown his toys out of the cot. Mm. He didn't yes. do that. No. He had his best run he's ever had through the patch of 13 through 18, then came off the course and had a bit of a laugh in his post-run interview. He was giggling about it in the Butler cabin. Now, I'm not suggesting you get that from Tiger 10 years ago. You probably don't. He's a different man with a whole bunch of perspective, very popular word this weekend. But I, I, was, I admired the manner in which he came off the back of hole 12 today and, and took it to the course in the final five or six holes. Yeah, very, very impressive. Very what I would say, Drew, is leading into the um, weekend, we, we spoke about him a little bit and we said, look, the further away we get from it, the more we think that maybe 2019 was the peak. Mm. Maybe that was the, 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 the Everest that the comeback was mounting to. Maybe it doesn't get any better than that. And if that's the case, then that's okay. Thursday 68 gave me a little hope. This was a weird tournament. You know, the continuity with layover holes for some groups into days two and days three, I found it hard to watch as a viewer, let alone hard to follow as a player. He fell victim to that on occasion. It was wet. It was cold. No time to do the preparation he needs to. Um, more holes in a day on, on one or two occasions than he would usually play. He felt the need to, on, an, on a few occasions I saw at the end of the day, can go back to the range and continue to grind. Like oh, The Thursday 68 gives me a little bit of hope. Come April, conditions are better. 
maybe gets a favourable draw with a couple of afternoon tee times, I still think that he contends at a Masters. But mm. maybe that's it. Maybe if we're lucky at an Open Championship, depending. But I still think he showed on 68. He, he's been dog shit the last couple of tournaments he's played in. Mm. And he came out on Thursday and looked as comfortable there as he did at Royal Melbourne last December and as comfortable there as he did last year at the Masters. There's just these courses that are the true levelers where he rises to the top. I think he is comfortable, right? Like that's the thing. Like like he's so comfortable at Augusta National. Like, yes, it's the Masters, but like I don't think he feels that pressure anymore. Mm. Um, anyway, Tiger. We can only dream, right? I said last week I would be happy if he didn't win anything ever again, and that was it. Like, there would be something quite symbolic about his last thing being the Masters. Um, and I stand by that statement. So hopefully we can only dream that he gets another one, but um, I think it's becoming less and less likely. That's the only thing. The only other one I wanted, I only wanted to point out um, Louis Oosthuizen. I sent you a screenshot of Louis Oosthuizen's Wikipedia profile. Louis Oosthuizen's actual name is Lodewicus Theodorus Oosthuizen. I would be a very heavy uh, supporter of a return to or, or getting rid of the nickname Louis and everyone referring to him as Lodowicus yeah. from here on out. And our South African listeners are probably screaming into their headphones at the moment that we've butchered that pronunciation. We apologise in advance for that. Please um, send us a message at the 19th Day podcast with um, the phonetic pronunciation. But I agree. I think we should, out of respect, return to the full name. It's exceptional. That's all I had. Uh, there was obviously a lot of other stuff happening. Uh, Andy Ogletree, low amateur, two under, tied with Bryson. Uh, Ricky Fowler with a weird week, finishing T29. Bernhard Langer finishing T29. There's I want to touch just... on Bernhard, please. Go. Before, I, I, a couple of things. I don't feel like we can just skip over. Oldest player ever to make the cut, 63 years of age. Hmm. What a weekend, and doesn't he look like he's... He's in, he's in fair shape. He opened with 68. We talk about the effortless 68 from Tiger on Thursday. Bernard was right there with him. Yeah. And finished today with 71. He's not only beaten Bryson, he was in the same group as him today, I believe, and topped him by two. Yes, that is correct. That is so, and just on Bernhard, and I'm just going to need you to pan here for a second, but this is potentially my favourite stat from the weekend. So Bernard Langer, as we said, 63 years of age, the oldest player to make the cut in major history. It was revealed uh, through the weekend that he has now played with players in majors a hundred years apart. Yes. So I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to find this stat and I should have written down a more accessible place. Uh, Abel Gallegos, who was the, I believe, the winner of the South American amateur mm-hmm. who qualified. Tough weekend. For Played Abel. with Tiger. First round. He did play with Tiger. He ended uh, 16 over for the tournament. So tough, tough weekend for Abel. But Abel Gallegos, um, uh, this is terrible. I should have written this down. Was born, I believe, in the year 2002, playing in the tournament. And then... Uh, Bernard Langer has also played with a gentleman who was born in the year 1902 in a major. Yes. <laughs> I'm just trying to track that down. I do know the stat you're talking about. I did see that and it, and it blew my mind. 
Um, while you do that, I'll go through a couple others. Please. Uh, a shout out to Lucas Michelle, very good friend of the pod, uh, 76, 74. Uh, didn't make the cut, but would have absolutely loved uh, that. Um, love that experience. Jason Day missed the cut as well. Um, Tyrrell Hatton missed the cut. Brendan Todd missed the cut. There are a lot of missed cuts. Gary Woodland is just nowhere at the moment. Um, but yeah, the, uh, there were some big scores posted across the week as well. Bubba Watson had a 78 today. Um, have you found that stat yet? I have. Go for it. Courtesy of Joe, uh, Joe Petter or Peter. Uh, not sure the pronunciation sure. of the last name of Joe. Bernard Lang has now competed in a major against both Gene Sarazen, born 1902, and Abel Gallegos, born 2002. Uh, the first player to play in a major uh, with people 100 years apart. That is phenomenal. Yeah. That could be my favourite stat of the year. Yeah. <laughs> Exceptional stat. Exceptional <laughs> statistic. Jeez, I love a stat. Yeah. Uh, can I, one more before we get into some miscellaneous. Can you give me your elevator pitch thoughts on Dylan Fratelli? T5 opened with a 65, unbelievable, 73, 67, 72. Uh, I felt there was a lot of coverage of Dylan Fratelli this weekend, uh, a lot of it tongue-in-cheek and sarcastic, maybe having a bit of a dig at him. And to be fair, there's there's some shticks to have, have a dig at. He's really found a niche. He's got the clear sunglasses. He's got the sun sleeves. He puts with the flag in. I love it. I'm all for it. He's a University of Texas alumnus. He's got a Bachelor of Geography. Who needs geography these days, but he's making it work. He's also got a little bit of the uh, Danny Orcher vibes going on from South Africa. He talks with a bit of a twang, which I love. I, he's also got a handle for television, which is one of the best social media handles going around. Mm. I thought the shtick was unnecessary and doing for telly for a guy who finished the tournament t5 thank you very much and yeah. he's been playing pretty consistent golf in the last six months yeah one for telly fan your thoughts yeah I, I like the guy i mean the glasses i just look at it and i'm like what do you like why but i did i did google it so he doesn't like wearing contact lenses um so they're obviously prescription but like like if they were sunglasses like they just look so much better um but you look like an idiot uh i, I look big ups really like the guy um, there's not many South Africans on the on the tour, and uh, he's the best of them. So, and can play good golf. Open with a 65. Um, I, yeah, that was just my take on his glasses. Like, God forbid we had golfers who showed any sort of difference or personality. Who you know, you know, went away from the norm. Drew, it's cross. We couldn't have that. Goodness no. me. Uh, he has earned himself uh, courtesy of T12 tires or better. He's earned himself a start. Next April, as has yes. CT Pan. Yes. Uh, T7 at 10 under. Corey Connors, T10 at 9 under. Good to see a couple of guys get rewarded for uh, an exceptional four days for the start next April as well with the automatic qualifications, as I said, due to T, uh, T, T12 or tyres. Yes. Miscellaneous. Please. I've got a list, so let's go. You, you start us off. I oh, Look, the course was... It was obviously out of their control, mm. but it was like not the Augusta that we know. Like, I think we can all agree that that is not how that course normally plays. Clearly the deluge of rain softened it up and it stayed all four days. Like it was interesting to watch and like it, just the juxtaposition of what we know about Augusta 
from the sense that it's um, it, normally it's manicured to within an inch of its life, but there was pine straw and like shit everywhere all over the greens and in the bunkers and stuff. Like it was interesting to watch, but this like the, the greens being as soft as they were was so interesting because normally they're like rock hard. Very, very, very interesting to, to see how it now plays out come April because I think there's going to be a lot of players who will try to play it like they did in over the week that we just had and they're going to get found out very quickly. I, I agree. I actually didn't mind. I mean, obviously, to your point, we're used to seeing Augusta National immaculate. I actually didn't mind the blemishes. Uh, I, didn't oh, no, mind. I, I didn't mind it. It was just different. I had a, it had a bearing. There's no doubt it had an influence on the result. What I would say is that there's plenty of players who didn't manage to take advantage of it. Um, oh, plenty of players who, you know, with every opportunity to fly the ball right at the pin, misjudged a lot of shots. Uh, I think we need to put in context as well. I mean, the rainfall on Thursday morning American time was... Enormous. It was a deluge. Yeah, it was. It's actually remarkable we got that much play. Yeah. On Thursday, and credit to the the staff and obviously the sub air system and in the greens, but it can only do so much. Hmm. And it's set up incredibly soft. Interesting observation um, that I that I read and heard today, for that matter, though, is that it actually brought some decision making back into the tournament uh, a hmm. couple of times. On par fives, like thirteen or fifteen, there was there was some genuine second thought about going for it on the second shot. Yeah, just because you were inconsistent lie, inconsistent turf underneath, and it it created some some second guessing in shot selection, which I liked. It was good to see. Like those now for most players, probably say for um, Bernard Langer, who was laying up on a lot of those par fives, you're just pulling your fairway wood and you're going for the green. And, you know, to put a little bit of indecision, do I need to lay up here? I liked the the challenge that's not often um, given on those holes that was presented due to the conditions. But I completely agree. It, like, I mean, there's some 12 green looked weird. So yeah. the browning through was odd. Uh, yeah. But, yeah, I, we'll never see that again, ever, yeah. I don't think, ever. So, and credit to Dustin. I mean, he took advantage of it and yeah. used it to have the single best – uh, scoring record at Augusta National and equal the uh, score to par, as I said, of any men's major championship in the history of the game. Yeah. It was, um, yeah, there was a lot of browning, as you mentioned. Uh, you could see that in some of the drone shots. I mean, like, I know taking a bit of a different tangent here, but like the, the some of the shots that they put into the broadcast this week were really cool. Like, loved it. A lot of drone shots, which were cool. Um, like without the crowds, you could see a lot more of the course as well, which mm. was quite fascinating. Uh, mm. You could really see the ridges and, and the hills and all the rest of it. Um, I thought that was really quite cool. Um, but yeah, like I, all in all, I thought the broadcast was okay. Like Nick Faldo still gives me the shits a lot of the time. Like, like just some of the stuff he comes out with, I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? Like just, like, just commentate what is happening on the screen. Like, Talking, I saw the like the no laying up guys tweeted it as well that like he was talking about a fade, like that he needed to hit a fade, like with the trees down the left. I'm like, you can't do that. Like, what are you What are you talking about, Nick? Mm. Just stop. Yeah, oh. it's 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 interesting, to be honest. Um, Trevor yeah. Immelman's my favorite out of all of them. I love Trevor. Trevor, it's fantastic. 
I such can, a good I, job. I loved Ernie as the president's cup captain. Shit, I can't wait for Trevor. Yeah, I reckon Trevor's going to be awesome. I reckon it'll be real good. Uh, but yeah, to your point, I, I really there were some things about not having fans that were really weird, like the framing of some holes, mm. the framing of nine, the framing of fourteen up the left hand side. It was weird not having fans there, but I also really liked it. Like the shots that opened up to your point, the way they took advantage, things like, I think it was from 16 T looking to the back of 15 green. That's a really cool shot. Yeah. Um, Similarly, I think 17 looking to the back of 16, obviously you've got the Creek up the left-hand side, but the bank, the famous bank where Tiger drilled that chip in 2005 against DeMarco, you know, that's usually packed in like sardines of people. Like you just, you get the, the, an essence of the course and the contours to your point that you don't otherwise see. I think it also played differently. I mean, 15 is a perfect example. The amount of balls I saw fly into the, the water at the back of 15, that doesn't happen. No. Everybody's concern in a normal Masters tournament is the creek at the front. But the water that disappeared, into the, like balls disappearing into that water at the back was unbelievable. It's usually a, a redundant hazard and it played a major role on some days there. I, I actually, again, I doubt we'll ever see an empty Masters again like that. Um, but I'm kind of glad we got to see it once. Yeah, oh, 100%. Exactly. Um, yeah, all in all, I thought the broadcast was pretty good. Um, mm. So I give, I give them a pass mark this week. What else <laughs> you got on your miscellaneous list? Because they were probably um, my two key ones. Was the okay, I've got a few. These are, these are just little tidbits. I want right, to call out Kevin, Kevin Nah, mm-hmm. uh, Salty. As we like to call Salty. him here on the 19th tee. So Kevin Kevin Nah um, created a little bit of uh, unwanted history in the first round. Opening round 73, he hit 18 of 18 greens <laughs> and had 39 putts. <laughs> I guess that just goes to your point, though, like talking about how important putting is. You know, you can hit as many greens as you want, but if you can't mm. bloody get the putts close, then... He's stuffed. Second round, 68. I think he shaved his putts per hole in half, more than half. I think he went from over two to just over one. That's incredible. And this is a guy who's genuinely, I mean, shit, he walks in putts. He's generally very reliable with a flat stick in hand. But 18 of 18 greens are 39 putts. Um, unbelievable. On uh, Thursday, I also want to talk about Webb Simpson's beard. Um, yeah. No. Webb, Hello. <laughs> What's doing? Like, I know he's, he's and not that I want to delve into uh, deeper waters than otherwise we would normally swim, but I know he's a little bit religious, but I'm not sure if the uh, Ezekiel beard is doing him any favours because it's, it's grey, it's patchy. It's like I wanted to do the cool thing and have a ISO or COVID beard, and yeah. there may well be COVID stuck in the beard, to be honest. <laughs> uh, it's disgusting. Yeah, so, it's, a no, it's, it's a definite no from me. Can it? Um, also, I want to talk a little bit about the fashion from the weekend. Um, yeah. Wow, we uh, between the poo poo green, greeny brown Nike top um, sported by Tiger and P. Reid amongst others. Um, Nike also had, I mean, the top that Paul Casey sported on the Thursday and a few others sported across the weekend kind of looked like a toddler had run a mark with those fridge magnet alphabet letters trying to spell out Nike. Like, yeah. It was truly weird. And then Hideki's candy stripe on Saturday, I think it was. He looked like bananas in pyjamas today. 
Oh, There's some genuinely shit ass get ups going around. Shit ass. Oh, just be better. Like, just get better stuff. Yeah. I, I don't know. I completely agree with that. I know. I took note of some of those as well. I was like, oh my god, you're on TV, and then I, gentlemen. Oh, I, I also like. I get off on a tangent here about about fashion, which is not something we generally cover on the nineteenth tee. But who does Nike think are buying? these shirts and they'll laugh at me because I'll make millions out of selling um, the toddler uh, magnet alphabet letter shirts. Yeah. Oh, it's also kind of like a kid has run amok with alphabet spaghetti. It just, it, I just got a lot of toddler vibes. Everything about it was toddlers. That's what I kept going back to. I don't know if that's because I got one of my own or just because uh, it, it just, I looked at it, I was like, what's doing, but I don't know who's buying that shirt. No. I'm not buying that shirt. No. Absolutely. I don't think any self-respecting person is buying that shirt and walking onto the, some idiot will. Onto the course. Yeah. Anyway, um, my final one, Drudes, um, and this probably just feeds into the absolute wankery of the Augusta National Golf Club. And if you aren't familiar with the complete um, green washing of what the Augusta National Golf Club do, take a listen back to our, our two-part Augusta National deep dive, um, most recently posted in Masters Week last week, but there's a, there's a long history of Augusta National playing their own rules, um, creating their own narrative, and I think you could see it this week. Now, we spoke about the weather, spoke about the deluge of moisture in the course. Um, often when that happens, not just at Augusta National, um, would you believe, Drudes, but on hundreds of thousands of golf courses all around the world, uh, the ball gets mud on it. Oh, yeah. You had players, uh, Bubba Watson um, primarily, literally hitting a ball and yelling mud ball at the mm. ground. You could hear it was audible on the coverage. Uh, in the broadcast, I believe they referenced the mud ball once on Thursday. Or something, wasn't it? And then swiftly from that point forward, it became, uh, I think Frank Nobolo said there was some earth on the ball. Mm. Uh, I think today there was a reference to organic matter on the ball. <laughs> Uh, it appears as though someone in a green jacket tapped someone at CBS on the shoulder and said, no, no, we don't refer to them as mud balls here at Augusta National. There's no such thing as a mud ball at Augusta National. And literally, they danced around it. Yeah, it's ridiculous. It's three ridiculous. days on the broadcast. It's ridiculous. And that's just Augusta National singing to the beat of their own drum. Like, it, it's actually actually ludicrous. Like, it sounds ridiculous. Organic matter yeah, on just, the ball. You have to just like go back and listen to our podcast if you haven't. We've posted it again. Went really well. Okay. Again, people love that. Love that one. Excellent. Number of downloads. That's uh, probably me, to be honest, mate. I think yeah, I'm done. This has been a big beast. This, yeah. this is our first 90-minute podcast. I'm uh, tired. So well done. <laughs> I'm sure if everyone listening to is too. <laughs> uh, big announcement coming Thursday. We've Huge. left this till the very end. Big announcement coming Thursday. Uh, we are putting out a very special podcast. Um, it will be live from Thursday morning, but big announcement for the 9HT podcast, uh, the biggest that we've had so far. So uh, stay tuned. Looking forward to unveiling a new member of the family. Absolutely, we are. It's been a work in progress for some months now, to be honest, <laughs> and we are incredibly excited and proud to be announcing it uh, this coming Thursday. So stay tuned. Drew, so thank you, my friend, for your learned and educated thoughts on the 84th US Masters from Augusta National. Congratulations again to our good friend, Dustin Johnson. 
who wins his second major 24th career win and firmly establishes himself as the best player in the post-Tiger Prime era. Uh, to be honest, it goes a little quiet in terms of quality tournaments the next few weeks. Mm. So we will probably have some, um, I think some miscellaneous content coming your way post this, uh, this, this big announcement on Thursday. We'll do some different things, I think, in the next few weeks for a bit of fun. Correct. More deep dives, are. I reckon. Yeah, absolutely. We might explore a few deep dives. So we'll uh, look forward to bringing that to you in the next few weeks as the season rolls on. And the best thing, Drew, is we are just a tick over 140 days until we head down (laughs) Magnolia Lane once again.